Hello. What do you want me to say now? Something relaxing and profoundly useless? Something about the nature of life, death, love, loneliness? What do I have to tell you about those things? Hmm? You know all about them. You know about the loneliness of 2 a.m., whether or not you can sleep through it. You know what it feels to have an emptiness inside you, a feeling of what your life should be and how you should be living, how you should be loving. You know this feeling, don't you? This 2 a.m. feeling. Oh, I know it well. I know the feeling of realizing that, even if people know and love you, it may not be quite the way you want to be loved. You have an idea, don't you? You have a secret dream inside of you that is not being fulfilled. Do you have a longing deep in your soul? What is it? Will it ever be sated? Must it be sated? Perhaps it's better, don't you think, that it's not? That it's understood as impossible and fantastical? I know that mine is. My dream, my deepest, darkest wish, is an entirely unattainable non-reality. I wonder if you know what it is. I'm sorry I came on strong there at the beginning. Perhaps a little too strong. Longing can make us angry. Have you found that? I'm not angry with you. You fulfill my longing. Somewhat. Do I fulfill yours? Even a bit? I once collected the story of a young prince who had a deep longing. A longing for that thing that I think we all long for, whether or not we want to admit it. He longed for love. Or rather, he loved the idea of love. Ah, uh, it sounds so simple, but he longed for the kind of passionate, intense, dramatic love that, as we all know, is short-lived and destructive and probably overrated. But it is what our love stories and films and songs are about, isn't it? After all, this prince could have easily written to an allied country and proposed a union and married some princess and have had done with it just like that. After all, he had known and loved several people already. He had loved them and discarded them, easily and without remorse. No. You see, it was the excitement of falling in love and being in love and falling out of love and fighting for love that he... loved. So I don't think it was truly love that he craved. But he sought after it day and night, whatever it was. Or perhaps he kept getting away with as much as he felt he could. And that was everything, since he was a prince. 
he could do as he pleased with no consequence. And where really was the fun in that? I think, and he might have never admitted it, that the thing he wanted was someone to challenge him in return. Someone as powerful as him to laugh in his face and not simply bend over backwards for him. But alas, it was never meant to be. He was a prince. He was the prince. And he could have whatever he wanted. And he took it. His particular craving this time around was for a ball. An extravagant, glamorous ball. It must last for three nights. It must have fine food, lovely music, delicious wine, and most importantly, it must be absolutely full of the most beautiful people in the country. He put the word out that he would be looking for a bride, but that wasn't quite true. He was looking for a lover, or lovers, certainly, but he did not intend to marry. But let them think that. Let them think that and wear their most beautiful gowns and do their best to impress. Let them be at each other's throats for a dance with him. Oh, it was too wonderful. Why hadn't he done this before? The arrangements were made, the invitations sent, and the preparations had begun. And before he knew it, the time of the most grand, most exquisite, most extravagant ball he had ever hosted had arrived. Have you ever been to a ball? Or, my apologies, perhaps I should say, a very grand party. Have you gone and attended it because someone you cherished, whether openly or secretly, would be there? Do you know the heartache of seeing that person dancing with someone else? I think every person at that ball must have felt that way. He was resplendent, in his blue and gold coat of silk, with his beautifully coiffed mane of hair, and, most importantly, a smile so confident and eyes so longing that no one could possibly resist him. He was a prince to behold. The great hall was a sight already, embellished in gold with a ceiling higher than most buildings in the kingdom, and a chandelier so large it could be sailed on like a boat at sea. A fireplace taller than two men standing, and decorated with golden cherubs and flowers and nymphs, hosted a warm and roaring fire. Somewhere in the kingdom, people were cold and lonely, but it was not here, not at the prince's ball. Early in the night, the large doors entering into the castle would swing open, and a guest would be announced, and thus the prince had the advantage of knowing who everyone was as soon as they arrived. He danced and danced for hours and hours and he still hadn't even made a dent in the number of guests who he had yet to dance with. It was perfect. There were so many waltzes, so many lustful glances, so many stolen kisses and quick dips into a private room. 
and yet it was still so crowded in his great hall that he could walk about freely and not worry about bumping into someone who he had left broken-hearted and have to deal with the consequences. Not that he would have worried about this anyway. The party was well underway when, just as the prince was talking to a young and besotted admirer, the front doors opened once more. And yet, no announcement followed. The young woman who walked through the doors was absolutely unexpected and remarkable. She wore a long, trailing black dress that sparkled in the firelight. Long sleeves, a high neck, black gloves, black hair piled high on top of her head. She was in black from head to toe, all but her face, starkly standing out against her gown. People immediately stopped and watched her. Not for her beauty, which was undeniable, but her strangeness of attire. It was inappropriate to wear black at a prince's ball, everyone knew that. If you wanted to marry him, and who would not want to marry him? You would celebrate being here, not mourn it. You might show some skin, you might put a little color in your cheeks, you might seek his attention with a little joy, a little color, anything. And yet here she was, and she was the most radiant thing in the whole castle. The whole kingdom, most likely. The whole world, the prince thought to himself. He watched as she boldly walked into the room and stood in the center, unaware or uncaring of the revelers around her, and their occasional whispers. She simply stood there, listening to the music and seemingly enjoying it as she began to sway by herself. Not dance, just enjoy the music with her whole being. The prince immediately abandoned his conversation, leaving yet another person heartbroken in his wake. And he crossed the distance between them and walked up to her. He asked her for a dance. She accepted, without so much as a smile. As they danced, he asked her who she was, what she was doing here, whether or not she lived here. She frowned a little. You don't remember me, do you? She sighed, a sound that both made his heart sink and his blood rush, and added, You loved me once, long, long ago, and you left me. I wasn't worthy of a prince. He examined her face with frantic eyes. He was ashamed he admitted that he had forgotten someone so beautiful, so striking, so unique. He must have been a fool, a young fool. Ah, but you weren't, she said, only now looking him in the eye. You weren't, she merely remarked sadly. He was beside himself and he did not realize that they were dancing together for what was actually about an hour, though it felt mm, like mere minutes. His guests looked on the couple with envy and sorrow as they all longed for just one dance with him, but he had apparently found a partner for the night. Sweet, beautiful lady, he began. What could I possibly do to make up for my cruelty to you? Could I do anything to make you smile? She only looked at him sadly. No, my prince. I won't smile ever again. 
You broke my heart. There must be something, he insisted. He was mad with desire and shame. Something that I could do to win your favor. She stopped dancing and placed a gloved hand on his cheek. No one else, she said in a dark, stern voice. There can be no one else ever again. And he wanted to say yes. Yes, strange, sad woman, I shall never touch anyone else again. I shall never love anyone other than you. But the words caught in his throat. And the clock struck midnight. I must go, she said softly. And she pulled away from him, running through the crowds and towards the large doors. He ran after her. He tried to stop her, but it was no use. She was gone. No carriage. Nothing. Through the doors and into the night and gone. He danced with a few others that night, out of courtesy and nothing more. But he could barely look at them. He couldn't look at anyone else. That face was etched into his mind, and he wanted her. He wanted her and no one else. Alas, he thought to himself as he lay alone in his bed after the party in the small hours of the morning. Alas, it will pass. I will have her, but I know that this love I feel must go. It must evaporate, as it always does. And yet I cannot stop thinking of her. And he couldn't sleep. Her face, her voice, the touch of her hand on his cheek, it was all so fresh in his mind and it only made him want her more and more. He prepared for the next night at the ball. He dressed in something even more glorious this night, a beautiful coat and stockings of white and silver. He wanted to look like the virtuous prince that he could be. He wanted her to be smitten, to have her breath taken away by the sight of him, as he was at the sight of her. Though heavy circles hung under his eyes, he was beautiful and irresistible even more so than usual. She must love me now. Everyone came back on this second night of the ball, and everyone asked to dance with him, to have a quiet word in a corner, to share a drink or conversation. And he refused. He stood in the hall and waited. His eyes were on the door. For hours and hours he watched nothing but the door. His eyes grew more and more red and weary. She's not coming, he thought to himself. After all this, she's not coming. And someone, if they even would dare mention it, might have remarked how it seemed perhaps that the prince might have actually been crying. And then the doors opened. It was her. She looked only a little different, but different. Her dress, while still black and covering her whole body, did not sparkle and shimmer in the light. It didn't trail behind her. It was a simple black frock that revealed nothing. It was unforgiving and unyielding. And her face, while still the same beautiful face as the night before, was a little more sunken and pallid. But, same as before, she walked right through the crowd 
husband into the middle of the room. She found him. Ah, to him she was still the most beautiful creature on the face of the earth. I thought you weren't coming, he said, now almost crying from joy that she was here. I almost didn't, she answered, and they began to dance. I have been dreaming of this for a long time, she said to him. But you were so selfish, so cruel to have left me so wretchedly, you know? He nodded. I am. I am selfish and cruel, but I am your servant, my lady. Just say that you will love me. Again she shook her head sadly. Words, words, and just words, same as before. And yet, my heart is still broken. What am I to do? She said. And they danced for hours and hours. This night, several guests began to leave. Several guests were openly in tears or gossiping to each other about this strange woman. And the prince grew more and more entranced. More and more he realized that he couldn't imagine a night without dancing with this lady. Even as tired and disheveled as she looked, even compared to his splendid, angelic form, he had to have her. Say you'll be mine, he said. You must be mine forever. I will marry you one day. I will treat you better than any queen, but you must say you'll be mine. She sighed that plaintive, agonizing sigh again. Oh, more words. I don't want words. You know what I want and they stopped dancing again, and she wrapped her arms around him in a desperate embrace and whispered in his ear, There can be no one else ever again. Only me. No one else. And he embraced her in return, tears flowing down his face. I promise that there will be no one else. No one else once you are mine. She sighed and she shook her head. More words. And the clock struck twelve. She pushed him away. She ran from the hall to the doors. She fled into the night. He roared in rage in unfulfilled longing. Who did she think she is? What was she? What was she to make demands of a prince? But God, he wanted her. Maybe only her. He wasn't sure whether or not he meant what he said to her, and that in and of itself was an extraordinary thing. Again he didn't sleep. He thought only of her, only of his mysterious, cruel woman. He knew now that she was the only one on this earth who could make him happy. She plagued him night and day, and he knew, he knew he would marry her. And suddenly, he knew what he must do. He made all of the arrangements for the third night of the ball. The room was set. The food was cooked. He dressed humbly for the memory of her in the night before in her modest black gown. He wore a simple black suit this time. He would be what she wanted him to be. But, most importantly, he told the servants to evacuate the palace. He had the musicians leave. He sent word far and wide. No one but the woman in black could attend the ball tonight. 
Alone, he stood in the center of the great hall, and he waited. He waited for hours and hours in complete silence. He did not sit. He did not eat or drink. He did not move. He waited. And eventually, not long before midnight, the doors swung open. There she was, standing in a white gown, the most splendid gown he had ever seen, sleeveless inlaid with silken roses and threaded with golden thread. He was ashamed to be in his plain black outfit. Her hair was loose, matted, and strewn with flowers and golden thread, too. She had a wild, strange look about her. Ashamed, confused, but sure of one thing. She was here, and he was happy. He had never been happier. You came, he whispered, and she walked right up to him. She stopped. On her lips, a strange smile curled and contorted her face, her eyes wide and gleeful. You really did it. They're all gone she whispered. Yes, he answered. It's just you and I. Forever? she asked, growing closer to him. And he lowered himself to his knees, and he without hesitation withdrew from his pocket his royal ring. He took her hand and he desperately slid it on her finger. You must say you'll be mine. Please, and that grin peeled across her lips even further, revealing her gleaming white teeth and eyes that were no longer sad, but victorious and terrifying and blood-red. Oh, this was no woman any longer. She was a creature of want and revenge and desire and loneliness, inhuman and passionate and beautiful and deadly. Only me? Only you, he answered. Forever, until the end of time, I swear. Please. And she leaned over, and she kissed him. And in her lips were poison. A poison that did not kill him, but killed his will to ever desire to leave her arms. To do anything but dance with her. And her kiss moved to his throat, where her lovely white teeth pierced his skin. She wouldn't kill him, no, not her prince. But she drank his royal blood, his blood that had so often pumped through his body for other loves, for other loves than her. And she replaced the thought of them with only the thought of her. And the doors to the castle locked and vines sprawling with red, white, and gold flowers wrapped themselves around the castle and drew it into the shadows, where it would always remain. And the clock struck midnight, and forever the two of them danced. I think perhaps that fulfilled longing is often the death of us or the death of what makes us, us. 
what would I be without it? I would be happy. But I wouldn't be speaking with you tonight, probably. Anyway, I hope you find what you are longing for. Truly and sincerely, I do. But if you don't, I hope you find a beautiful and strange way to tell me about it. Rest well. Be well. Dream. Hi everyone, thank you so much for listening. I'm Kristen Zaza, and this was episode 17 of On a Dark, Cold Night. I hope you liked my spin on a fairy tale for you tonight. Something about me really likes Cinderella, and I really need to just come to terms with that, I think. Um, anyway, a few things to share. First of all, a big thank you to some reviewers. Thank you to Dave Storr, who writes a review titled Love Listening to the Narrator. They say, I stumbled on this podcast by accident, as it's not usually the genre I seek out, but I was drawn right away to Kristen's voice and unique storytelling ability. She really draws you in and makes you feel like she's talking directly to me. The stories are cool, but they wouldn't be interesting to me without Kristen's character telling them in such a compelling way. Her character is creepy, but friendly and extremely likable. Great job on this. Wow, thank you so much, Dave Store. I really, really appreciate the feedback, guys. If you enjoy the show and want to let me know, and also possibly hear your thoughts and feedback read on the show, drop me a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Podknife, my website, or anywhere you can review podcasts. Additionally, if you can listen to the show on Radio Public, that would be amazing. I'm a part of their paid listens program, so the more listeners I can get there, the closer I can get to being paid for my work. Of course, I'm going to keep doing the show anyway, but Radio Public is free for you to use and benefits me, so hey, why not? Um, other ways you can help and perhaps help me improve the quality of the show and its production value is to support me on Coffee or on Patreon. I'm on Coffee at coffee.com slash darkcoldnight. That's ko-fi.com slash darkcoldnight. Or on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. And the best way to support the show, tell people about it. Give us a shout out on Twitter at a dark cold night or Instagram at dark cold night podcast or on our Facebook group. If you tell even one person who might enjoy it to listen, that would be such a huge help to me. You can also send me an email anytime at darkcoldnightpodcast at gmail.com. Anytime you like. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and spending some time with me again this week. I hope May has started off well for you. Oh yeah, take care everyone. Good night.